Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Returning home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. Thank you for joining me today on this beautiful February 20th, 2022. Um, I've had a busy week and a very busy day. I am um, the manager of the secondhand clothing store here in Susia, as I may have mentioned a few times. And there is a bat mitzvah project going on this week. It is a week of chesed. And we had five classes of girls come to the Yachnia today and learn about reusable clothes, recycling, and chesed, and giving, and, and, and charity. And then, you know, we, we get, we, I let them shop. Everything was a shekel. Everything is one shekel until the end of Adar. And then we also divided them up into groups and had them help us and fold clothes and organize clothes and put them together in different color, organize the baby clothes. And they really did a big, big mitzvah, really helped out. And uh, it was a very busy day. And um, I think it was great. You know, now some people who had never been there before will hear about it through their daughters. And that's um, kind of giving me a segue of what I wanted to speak about today. I just I just wrote an article for a new magazine that's coming out, an Aliyah magazine. I was uh, interviewed. And one of the questions was, <laughs> it's a funny question. What are the things you love about Israel? And, you know, I just went on and on. I love this. I love that. I love how my kids are strong. I love how I know geography now and all these different things. And I forgot to mention meaningful work. And that is so amazing. That is so crucial. And I think you can have meaningful work anywhere. It doesn't matter where you live. But it just so happens that here in Israel, I have found meaningful work through what I do, Hatzalah Yudav Shamron, and my volunteer work at the Yajniya. Um, and I didn't have that kind of thing before. I was just a lawyer. So maybe being in Israel is special that way. Maybe you can find that anywhere, but that is something that has happened for me. And I hope whenever, whoever comes, that happens for you. We have a great show for you today. We have a married couple going to be interviewing the husband and wife separately. And we'll hear each of their stories. One is American, one is French. Very cool. Stick with us. We'll be right back after these messages. Be biblical. Be the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sipinski. Joining us today is a new friend I recently met when I was in Malot helping clear out 
um, a friend's house. His name is David Hyatt. He comes from Los Angeles originally and came to Israel first as a student in 1990. Um, it was then that he met his wife who came from France and he and she together, I guess, made Aliyah a couple years later. He's built his life here with her. They've grown their family and they live up north in that, that town, Malot, where, you know, I'm finding more and more Americans and Olim have actually settled. So I'm going to talk to David. He's going to tell us about his story. David, you there? I'm there, yes. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for the the live interview. I really um, appreciate this, and I, and I love your story because it's pretty it's pretty unique. It's international. Why don't you share with our listeners um, your Alia your Alia story, your personal story? Alia story. Well, I think uh, there were two main factors that led me to Israel. In 1990, to do a master's in English literature, I was pretty much involved with uh, academic English. And at that time, um, in the world of, of literary studies, um, a movement called deconstruction had started, and they were using the Talmud as a as a and, and Jewish um, ways of analyzing text as a way of understanding all, all literature. It was uh, the French school was putting that forward, and I, as a student, didn't know anything about the Talmud, and I decided I needed to learn something about it, and so that was one reason why I decided to do my master's in Israel, and the other, there were, there were a number of factors, one was the the uh, intifada was occurring, and I saw there was an increasing um, movement of criticism towards Israel, and I decided I needed to take a stand and get involved with that and understand what it was all about. And I did some work on the political screen level, and there was also just a level of looking for authenticity, of looking for um, uh, a culture in which there was an intimate relationship between um, history and tradition. And um, I had looked for it in, in, in southern, in South American culture and Native American culture. And then I said, "Wait, I've got my own culture. Why don't I look into it?" And so I began to form my, my own Jewish uh, roots. Interesting. So you went kind of roundabout. I've never heard a story like that. Um, mm -hmm. How did you, you know, I mean, you came here to do a master's. What what had you done previously? Where? And, and had you been involved in Jewish life? From what you're saying, it, it sounds all academic. And as... Like you had not been involved in Jewish life, I guess. Did, did you have a religious background? I'm guessing no. no I actually did. I, I was. Uh, I went. I had left it for a while when I was in. I went to a conserv. I was raised in the conservative movement, and when I had gone to a summer camp, I was very enthusiastic, and I made. I asked my family to keep me kosher when I was in elementary school, and I was. And I had a strong connection to Israel. When I came to Israel in, in the summer of tenth grade with the Los Angeles Open. And then um, I, once I went into the, um, I left high school, even by the 12th grade, I was really trying to get a far, as far from my Jewish origins as possible, very interested in Western culture, Western literature, um, and I just felt that uh, I didn't want to have anything to do with my Jewish identity. And uh, only after about uh, five years of being in the university and that I finally decided to start looking back into it again. And I explained what first prompted me, and then one more factors led me in, and I'm, I'm 
I've been an Orthodox Jew, fully observant Jew since um, after the, after the end of that, that, that after towards the end of that, that master's program at Hebrew University, I was keeping Shabbat. Okay, so it took all that to get you to keep Shabbat. Okay, I, I I'm just gonna dig in a little bit here, okay? Because you know I do have you at my <laughs> I have all your attention right now, but when you say that you wanted to get as far away from being Jewish as you could. Can you like remember why? Do you remember the feelings? Do you remember the reasons why? Yes, uh, I think that um, there was just a few. Uh, <clears throat> well, I was just. I don't think it was really that I was. I was. I was. Um, I was. Just, I was repulsed from my Judaism and my background. It was just that I was completely enamored with with uh western civilization and uh and, and then there was really a point in which um it because i became so enamored with western civilization i mean in, in other words of uh, the literature from homer to virgil to dante to the european traditions and and then i decided i, I felt that people should also know about that it would be normal for you to live in a culture where people feel a sense of historical continuity, and then when I began to wake up and look into the societies surrounding myself, both in America and also as I traveled in Europe, I was profoundly disappointed to realize that people couldn't give a damn about those cultures. They're just, they had, and they had no sense of it. They had no sense of maintaining their traditions and cultures. And uh, in general, I felt that Western civilization was in it, was on a, was on a, uh, was on a, on a, on a, on a dead end. Because uh, both because of the the moral catastrophe, the ethical catastrophe of the Shoah, and also because of uh, the fact that people weren't interested in knowing anything about the cultures, they just wanted to live for now and satisfy, you know, have a good time as much in the current civilization. They didn't want to build a culture, you know. I mean, as, as we say in Judaism, and in, 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 we say in the mission every day, so we often we don't want to call our sons sons but builders. Also, we call them banim and abonim. But nobody was really you trying say, to build, I felt. They were just trying to live for the now. And I, that wasn't right, what I was... Right. That, that's not what I thought the West was all about. But the West was dead. That's right. And so I that's thought right. that in Israel right. that even the most average person sometimes, they were, they knew about their tradition, that the people from all walks of life were, 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 often, were living it, even either being traditional or being more religious, but it was a living culture, and that, I thought, that really attracted me. Isn't interesting? I find I find that so. Um, I mean, it's 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 good you discover that early, right? Because there are people still believing that, and they're middle aged Jews living all around the world, and they haven't come to the conclusion that you came to. It probably took you three, four years to come to that conclusion, right? I, I think really? that I think that many people follow the kind of track I thought I thought towards the towards, towards a certain you know traditionalism right. or conservatism from being you know coming from a very very liberal background and you know I, I try to integrate the two in my life to this day. But um, uh, when well, you say things like living for today, um, and and then you kept saying Western civilization. That's, do you mean like just modern Western, you know, like 
the modern era, like people today, when you say Western, you mean modern. Not right? really what I mean. No, it's not really what I mean. I think that West, the West is, let's just say, is most as an advanced industrial country. You could call that that. But when you use specifically the word Western civilization, you're suggesting a culture that has a continuity, which is based on. Um, a knowledge of its origins through either both the Greco-Roman and Christian and and past, and really, and then the Jewish. I mean, I think Western civilization is a dialogue between Jerusalem and Athens, as they often traditionally call it. Uh, it's a kind of dialogue between, let's just say, science and and um, and prophecy, which is both within Europe and it's within and and the and also it is. Was the Enlightenment, which the United States of America was founded upon, Enlightenment principles. I mean, the principles of the, the philosophers of John Locke and Hobbes and and all these great philosophers and Rousseau. And uh, it's, a, it's a very, very, in that sense, it's, it's a shining example of of Western culture, Western civilization. It was on um, these very noble ideals, um, and um, and yet. Our founding fathers, you know, whether they, you know, Madison and Hamilton and George Washington, and Jefferson, they all knew where they came from. They read these great. They 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 read the the philosophers. They knew the they knew their Plato. They knew their Aristotle. They knew, of course, they knew Rock. They knew Locke. They knew they could. They knew the tradition from which they were coming. Um, they knew yeah. the literature of the time. They, they did. Could quote it. Yeah, they did. Right, right. They, they did. But uh, yeah, it disappeared. Uh, I, I hear you. I get it. I get it. Um, okay, so you came here, you became an Orthodox Jew, and you had a meaningful life. And I guess you've had one ever since. Why don't you tell me um, a little bit about your family and uh, how you've raised one here? Um, we, had, we have four children, and they're all very different, and they've uh, found their own way in the society. I myself, I, I, I just would say one thing, if anybody's listening to thinking of making Aliyah, I have a few, I think I want to say, what, is, what has made it easy for me? First of all, as a teacher, so I was working with wonderful people, wonderful staff. But also, I just, for, for whatever reasons, I really fell in love with the uh, Israeli people. Um, uh, the language and the way of being here, they're trying to be very natural very sincere. Some people feel people they have to call the Israelis rude or um, they call them overly direct. I've, I never really experienced that and so I've known, you know, you know, countless numbers of people. So it was my comfortableness with the people here that made a great difference, I think, in my own aliyah. At the same time, I would say, I, I think that you have to have a lot of inner resources to make Aliyah because um, I remember when I first met Aliyah, I considered somebody said to me. I'm going I'm I'm to stop you. I'm going to stop you. Okay, we're having, very good. We're, we're good. We have a break. We are taking a break. We'll be right back. We'll be okay. right back.
Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Zabinski. We're just going to finish up here. David is telling us some of his words of wisdom, what made his Aliyah successful. Before we bring his wife, Elisheva, to tell her story, I'd like David to just repeat a little bit about what you were saying about what you uh, think was the key to be successful in your Aliyah here. I was saying that, um, first of all, I remember somebody gave me an advice when I first was considering it in Jerusalem, they said to me, one of the good things about when you're first making Aliyah is that you don't realize how different you are from the Israelis. And as the years go by, you begin to realize how different you are. But then you've already made your home here, and it's too late to get 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 away. But I think that I find that that advice was interesting. I've thought about it over the years, because I think it's... It is true that if you've if you've passed most of your um, youth in another culture and you try to make your home in another one, there will always be a kind of uh, unbridgeable gap between you know your mode of being and that of your of your of your friends and your neighbors. And I and I'm and I mostly have Israeli friends and neighbors and um, and. That is true. That is true, and it's difficult. And then you lose something which is very dear, which is your command over the language. Um, and I speak Hebrew well. I read the newspapers. I can read books. But still, I'll never be like a native speaker in English in my Hebrew. And yet, you have to be able to accept that 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 um, that unbridgeable gap, and and realize that people know and respect, they respect you for who you are. People see that you've made this move, and they know how difficult it is for you. And, um, and, and, and they appreciate for you what you, for what you are. And what makes it easier is for you to appreciate them for what they are. And just to, and like, as I said originally, that I just really like Israelis. And I, and I, and I, and I like the culture here, given all the difficulties and challenges and tensions there might be. I, I find them to be a very, very healthy people. And from, I've never looked back, never wanted to go back. Well, I like that. Here. I like that. It's um, those are very, very good words. Very, very nice to hear that. It's, it's, it's honest and it's direct and um, yeah, it's it's acknowledging your differences, you know, and like yeah, you you are what you are. They are what they are, and we can all, you know, you don't have to change so much. Okay, I think we have your wife on the air, David. I want to thank you so much. Um, and uh, I'll send you the show afterwards. And thank you, thank you for sharing. It was it was great, very very good. I'm going to welcome your wife, Elisheva. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Wonderful. Okay, now we're going to get this side of the story. Um, I don't know much about 
you are Aliyah, except you are originally from France, and yes, you and right, and you and David are a married couple, and you live in Malote, and I believe you did live in America. Your English is very good, so why don't you tell us That's about your Aliyah? Good enough. Tell us about your Aliyah if you can get it. Um, you know, go ahead. My, my Aliyah is uh, very much connected, uh, related to a commitment to uh, Am Israel and its land. And uh, it's a, uh, a project that we had together. It's very important to, uh, to uh, have a, a spouse to, uh, to do it, but it can also be achieved on one's own, I guess. Uh, and um, it's uh, an interest in what Am Israel also can give to all the other uh, countries. Uh, as a uh, message of uh, parenthood and of uh, being able to reconstruct and uh, rebuild and continue okay. uh, what was built before. So it's a great attachment to the land, to its history, to its faith, and also to its people and to the fact that it's very diverse and enjoying the fact that they are different and that it's a challenge. Uh, okay. Elisheva, uh, tell us, tell, if you can, tell us when you came here, why you came here, um, and how you were raised. Oh, uh, I was raised in France. Um, uh, my parents uh, were um, believers, but they were not Jewish. They were Catholics, and my mother converted to Judaism, and my father was a very open-minded but very principled Catholic man who believed that you can be a good person, whatever uh, your creed is, as long as you, you have a belief in God and that you have uh, good morals and uh, values. And um, when I was a child, my mother was also very involved with the kibbutz life, and she was interested into this kind of community life where you're not looking for uh, great financial success or career, but a community life. So when I was mm -hmm. a child, she got once a little booklet from the at the primary school from the library that described the kibbutz. And uh, I happened, uh, thanks to her, to get in touch with a family in kibbutz and Chachod Ichud, which is in the Galilee, mm -hmm. and uh, and visited uh, the family there and uh, got interested in their lifestyle but also with the people themselves. And uh, that's how it started, uh, with a kind of adaptive family. And I would come and stay on different kibbutzim and work as a volunteer afterwards. And mm -hmm. uh, then I saw that uh, really I built an interest and uh, a commitment. And uh, I came often and stayed longer and longer each time, even though I finished my studies at uh, the University of Sorbonne in Paris did my master's there, but I would be often, you know, I would go back and come uh, always to uh, Eretz Israel, and I thought it was a land of really uh, opportunities with hmm. great challenges just, as well. Okay, okay. And eventually you met David. Uh, I eventually I met David, yes, we met at the university in Arad Sofim, and uh, first in Givat Ham, when during the Ulpana, and... Uh, and it was uh, funny because we had no idea of what was our uh, original background and country. 
and uh, so we were in a kind of vacuum from uh, from our respective families, which and uh, and uh, then uh, we continued our discovery of uh, of uh, the land together and of the people. And, okay. What do you mean? What do you mean? You, okay. First of all, what do you mean you were in a vacuum and you uh, didn't know that, each other's well, background? For a while, it's normal. You're you're actually uh, not. Uh, you're you're not. You know, when you're younger and uh, you're trying to make your own life and you're changing country, so uh, you're not as much in touch as you. Uh, for, for practical reasons, you, you know, there were no cell phones at the time, just regular phones. But it's already great communication and letters and everything. It doesn't mean that. You, you didn't have a good relationship with your family. It simply creates a, a distance, which is normal at a certain stage of life, and it's helpful to find which what is your way and what you want to achieve and and uh, what is your goal. And um, and uh, so yeah, that's that's that made it possible to try and integrate uh, and and uh, and fall in love with the country and its people. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. You were on your own here. That's what you mean. And right, the two of right, you right, right. were with a class. You were like on your own. Correct. That's how we all were. Uh, it's not like that today. But uh, if you put your phone down, it is. It really is. You have to manage with the community around you. And you guys were at the Givat Ram campus, probably at a six-week ulpan right. class. Absolutely. Right? And yeah, you have to get along with whoever's in your class. You probably had Russians, you probably had Mexicans, you probably Absolutely. had people from all over the world. Right. <laughs> the only common yeah, language was Hebrew. <laughs> the only common language is Hebrew, and that's very romantic and very natural that you would fall in love with somebody from that class, right? Right. Absolutely. Very nice. Okay, yeah. so I get it. I get it. Very nice. Um, yeah, fit. So you ended up, uh, I don't know when you got married, where you got married, but today you built your family here in Israel, in my <clears throat> We met. We actually got married. Uh, we were fianced here, and but we got married in the states. I had to. I made my conversion in the states and, uh, with the Orthodox rabbinate. And uh, but I'd done one which was Masorti here in Israel. And then I made an Orthodox one in in the states uh, for personal reasons, uh, not out of any kind of uh, pressure. And uh, and uh, you know we spent some time with David's family so that I would uh, know them better and appreciate them and connect and have a relationship, and uh, and then uh, made a short visit to my parents in France on our way to Eretz Israel, and then we made our aliyah. And uh, our nice. first child was born actually in the States, but it was there just for a few weeks, uh, maybe a month or two. I don't remember exactly. And then we. We had all the other three uh, children, three sons, or four sons all together, here in Israel. Yeah, fair mode. Um, what, uh, we're, we're running out of time. I, I, I love your story, and I want you to, um, we started off by kind of giving a general um, message of the goodness of living in Israel. What can you tell our audience? We have people listening from all over the world, all kinds of people, not just Jews, non-Jews too. Uh, what can you tell them? I mean, I'm a very, very nationalistic person insofar as, you know, I believe that uh, the nation state is the, uh, is the protection and the meaning and the identity is protected by nation states and uh, having a background, a culture, a language. It's not exclusive. It doesn't enable you to, it doesn't prevent you from meeting strangers and welcoming them and helping people who are in emergency. 
But I found that in the history of Am Israel Be'arzu, with Am Israel in its own land, they should decide that what is a country. It's to have a land, a people, and a contract. And citizenship nowadays is extremely, extremely important. And it's very important that all nations, with having their own interests, should protect themselves, defend themselves, uh, thrive, develop, you know, their culture and their way of life, and according to their, you know, the the, 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 the language, the background, the culture, the landscape, uh, the climate, and so on. Elisheva, we have we have to we have to get off the air. Thank you so much for joining us today. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany is but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel. Phantom Nation, every Monday. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We had to end that with Elisheva. Um, I, I regret that we had to end it so abruptly, but we ran out of time. And I just want to tell you, these are two really amazing people. I met them really um, by chance. I was unpacking or, sorry, moving a friend of mine out and packing up her home and uh, a woman was with me who had lived in my alone, and she organized us to have dinner at these at their house, these you know David's house. David and Elisheva had us over for dinner at like ten thirty at night on a weekday, and it was a full dinner, like with soup and chicken and salad and dessert, and and she made crepes, and it was just amazing. And um, their son was there, and it was just such a nice, warm atmosphere, and I loved them, and I was like, whoa, I got to bring you on the show. So I did. Um, You know, it's really fun for me because we don't have any Americans here in Susia. And also, like, nobody leaves. And I've never been involved with anybody at such an intimate level where I would be asked to pack up their home. Um, David said something very um, insightful that I never heard anybody say before on this show. And what did he say that struck me? Um, He's aware that he is a foreigner and that he's different than all his Israeli neighbors and friends and that he will never be fully Israeli, even though he has the language down and has been here a long time. And that's something that I've never had anyone admit. My husband told me this years ago that we will always be foreigners and so between my husband and I, we, we know that. But it, it's hard to admit because it's not comfortable. There is a very wide gap between us, me, and my friends. And I feel it in all kinds of ways and, and really often. Um, one example is every year when the children have their B'nai Akiva ceremony, when they choose a new name, this is a big thing they do. And the entire issue is on the court singing this B'nai Akiva song that they all grew up with. 
I didn't grow up with it. I don't know it. Huge there. There's also songs they sing at every ceremony, not just Hatikva, but another one called Anima Amin. I didn't know this song. I don't know this song. Now I've learned it. Fine. But it doesn't mean I have memories and like these childhood friendships that I can remember, like all these people here do. And the people where I live, they're all connected. They're either they went to school with so-and-so's sister or so-and-so married her brother. They all have a similar background, similar culture. So-and-so from the army, their army memories, their jokes, their references. I mean, even like when the kids go to yeshiva, my kids are going to yeshiva for the first time in our family. We have kids going to yeshiva. We're the first generation here in Israel. I have no connections. We're doing a dive into the pool and we don't know, you know, where the way, our way around. And everyone else has a connection. Somehow they do. They do. And we really feel that. Um, and acknowledge that. And you have to, I guess, be um, ready and strong to be able to know you're really new here. You're first generation here. You know, I, I think that's probably rare now because so many Olim from English speaking countries go to places where others have gone before where they have relatives and friends who have already made Aliyah, um, Beit Shemesh, Ranana, Gush Etzion. And it's very comfortable that way. And I have, you know, a lot of respect for people who live there, you know, because you're making the move to Israel and you're doing it and you have even like family around you, and you know, call it a vote for you. That's a very smart way for a lot of people to do it. We didn't do it that way. Um, we didn't, uh, for, for a variety of reasons. But it sounds like David and Elisheva didn't do it that way either. And um, you pay the price, but I think it's made us stronger. I think it's made me stronger. And that's a choice to be made. Not everyone has to do that. And don't feel like it's so scary. You have to be tough like Natalie and live with a bunch of Israelis and be a foreigner. You don't have to. You can live in a front where people speak English. You can live in Beit Shemesh. Where people speak English, um, and you can, and do it if it's going to get you here. I don't care. Do do what you got to do, but it is um, interesting to hear someone actually say that out loud because I have never heard anyone admit that. Um, a lot of people have come on the show and even speaking to me off the show, and they're very gung ho and everything, and everything is just flowers and roses in Israel. It's not really true. Um, when David also said that. People say Israelis are rude and he just finds them direct and he likes them. I kind of, I was smiling because I like that too. I always liked that. And um, I remember way back when I was a student at the Hebrew University, same place he met Elisheva, going to a bakery, an Israeli bakery. And the person behind the counter just asking, what did I want? And I thought that was so great that he didn't waste time saying, how are you? <laughs> I liked it. I, I remember thinking, wow, this is so great. He just asked what I want. He's not wasting time. He's not pretending to care. I, I liked it. Now, my best friend at the time, a Canadian girl, hated it. She thought it was just so rude. How They didn't say anything nice. They didn't say good morning. They didn't say, how are you? 
funny, funny, huh? Now she didn't make Aliyah, and I did. Very funny. Um, you know, people are different, and they react differently, and they handle Israel differently. They handle their experiences differently. I was speaking to you earlier about having meaningful work. Um, I know people, their whole entire lives have been devoid of meaning and they have never found meaningful work for pay or without pay. Um, it's very sad to go through life when all you do is, the, I guess, the, ne the necessities and you don't have your heart and soul connected to what you do. Um, I'm extremely busy here. I mean, I turn around that I have I have more to do and it just keeps getting piled on me. Um, and I, I love it. I love it. I think that's very fulfilling that you can make a difference in a small community here. I did a dedication last week of a sport court through um, donations we received from this wonderful couple I've met. They live here. They're, they are Olim. They live in Israel. And they have been doing projects for me for the past five years, I think, in different places in Israel. They dedicated a sport court um, in a small community in, in the Jordan Valley called Mechane Gadi. You won't find it if you look up this community. It's not even on the map. It's not on Waze. It's not on Wikipedia. But I found it, or should I say, they found me. And it's like 27 families. They're all young. They set up a community near an army base and put up a corral with horses. They put up Mechina, a bunch of caravans, some pathways, and there's their town. And there's no place for the kids to play. So they called me. They heard about me, I guess. And I found um, I found people to, to help them. And you know, that was just pretty amazing. And this happens all the time here to me. And if whoever comes here and gets involved, you know, you're going to find the people who also want to get involved. It's like, it's it's so awesome. I, I never did anything like that. I never had any idea things like that could be. And living here in Israel is the only way I would be able to be effective that way. I don't think I would be able to be effective in a community in America where things have been done, you know, and there are very um, strict rules on how to do it and very big organizations set up here. You can, you can be small and mighty. You can be small and, and punch way above your weight um, by just working hard and, you know, putting all your effort into it. You, you don't, things don't take that much money and they don't take that much time. It's a tiny, tiny country. And there are lots of small communities where normal people like you and me can make a big impact and to be part of something like that is uh, extremely meaningful. And, um, you know, I, I just was involved in giving these children a, a place to play. They didn't have a place to play before. And I'm, I'm doing this over and over again. Um, if anyone of you listening wants to be involved in any of these small, small projects, please contact me. I'll, I'll find one for you because that's what I do on the side. You know, this is like one of my sides, but I just, I... I I, I, I'm not going to stop. Um, there's more to do all the time. And these things, you, you just, I would never find them if I didn't live here. If I did not live in Yudin Shimron, um, and, and if I had not been involved with Hatzalah, our medics are everywhere, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do this. 
um, people say things to me like, how did you find that place? Or how did you find that project? I've told you, I'm just, you know, it's just awesome to be involved here and for people to find you and for you to find them. It's a very small place. And if you're out there and doing it, the people find you. I mean, same way I got this, uh, this, this program. Um, Tamar found me through somebody who found me, who knew me. That's Israel, you know, that's Israel. It's really our home. It's like, we are one big family, you know, for better or for worse. Sometimes it's hard, everybody knows your business, you know, you can't hide, but um, it's great. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And uh, everyone who comes on the show, you see, you keep hearing them say, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's the best decision I ever made. You know, if you wanna come, please reach out and we'll help you. And we'll, we'll help you make it happen. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Same time. Bye-bye. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dots, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dots from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.